1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, that's what we're going to be today. We're in a series called Clean House. How many have been enjoying it so far? Come on, clean house. Uh, PD's talked about clean heads. Come on, taking our thoughts captive. You got to go back on YouTube, watch that message. He had those like four bars right here because how many know? Many people, they don't have peace in their mind. They're a prisoner in their mind. Ooh, that was a bar. That, that, he didn't even preach that. That's mine right there. Uh, clean heads. Then we talked about clean hearts last week. And I just want to say, as somebody that was a participant and a recipient of what God did last week, I just love seeing the altar completely full and just people just giving their hearts to the Lord. And I want to I want to address some of that a little bit in the sermon today. Today, what I want to talk about is clean health, clean health. And to be honest, totally transparent with you, uh, I see the devil has believers in bondage in this area, uh, where many of us don't realize that actually our health is not just a physical exercise, it's a spiritual discipline. And if you write this down in your notes, for those that are taking notes, we'd encourage you to take notes. I want two things from you today. I need your focus. Okay, so that might mean if you have your phone, flip it. Don't pay attention. You, you can talk to people right afterwards. You can text people in 31 minutes and 23 seconds. That's what you can do. But I need your focus, but I also need your feedback today. Can you guys do that? Okay, I need your focus and feedback. But here, here's something you need to write down in your notes. If you don't make time for your wellness, you'll force other people to make time for your illness. Y'all hear what I just said? Come on, we're gonna, this is going to be strong today. So if you don't make time for your wellness, you will force other people typically the people that you love, friends, family, they will be forced to take care of your illness. So we need to prioritize our health. Some of us are going to love this message. Some of us are going to hate this one. But I'm coming for all bodies today, okay? So we stepping on some toes. I'm not a politically correct preacher. I'm going to teach you the truth and the truth of God's word. But we need to prioritize our health so that we can accomplish our purpose. Let me give you a quick little story. I remember... Um, uh, a few years back, uh, our family, we, every single year, we always go to Seabrook, New Hampshire. We rent out a beach house out there. And so I'm from a family of six. So we have my parents. I'm the oldest of all of our kids. And then we have three, I had three younger sisters. So I know what you're thinking. Wow, he probably has so much trauma from having all those younger sisters and all that estrogen. And you're absolutely right. I, I see a therapist as a result of it. So the girls were put aside into this, uh, this room. They have a bunk bed and they have this big bed. So the three girls were sitting in there. And there was this one particular time. Mom, you might remember this if you're listening to this sermon right now, not texting people. Um, uh, I, I remember, <laughs> totally kidding. She's 39 lashings after this for my mom. Uh, okay. We're going to be loose, all right? Um, I remember watching this, and I walked into my sister's room about a day after we were on, uh, at the beach, and we walked into the room, we opened the door, and I'm just confronted by this awful smell. So all of us, naturally, because Morgan's not in the room, we point to Morgan. We're like, Morgan, come on, what's going on? What's going on in the bowels, okay? And then Morgan's like, it wasn't me, so she points to that Madison, she points to that Mallory, and all the girls are like, well, it was none of us. So naturally, they assume that their big brother comes in the middle of the night, drops a nuclear bomb in their room, and just walked out, and it stayed there. And I go, guys, that, what the heck? That's what you think of me? I didn't do it, but that's what they thought. And so we come back. I'm kidding, not, not one day, but two days. This smell is just grotesque. So we look high and low in the room. We're looking uh, underneath the bed sheets. We're looking in the bed. We're looking in the closets. We're looking in the vents, and we can't find out where this smell is coming from. Long story short, my dad comes in here, comes in the room, and he goes, girls, this is absolutely disgusting. So we find out that the AC unit uh, that is in the room is actually pulling the air from outside. But right outside the AC unit, literally touching the AC unit, is the neighbor's trash cans. 
So, remind you, we're at the beach, and so there's dead fish, crabs, lobster, and the neighbor's trash, and it's just going like this with the AC unit <laughs> into their room for 48 hours. It was literally a garbage dump in the room. It was gross. So we finally identified the source and realized, wow, this room smells nasty. And what the girls needed, because they became so accommodated to the smell, they needed somebody from the outside to come inside and say, what you're experiencing is not normal, it's dysfunctional. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because many of you guys, what you call normal in your lifestyles, some of your habits, even some household uh, mindsets need to be realized and need to, you need to hear somebody from the outside to say, that's not normal and that's not kingdom. Some of us, hear, hear me, some of us think that some of these things are normal, it's dysfunctional. And we need to clean some house today. We need to identify some of these things. And scripture says it like this, put to death therefore these earthly things. So lust, sexual immorality, habits, traits, vices, all these things need to be put to death. And here's what I know, is that some things naturally die, but some things need to be put to death. And so in this series, at the conclusion of this series, we're gonna put some stuff to death today. I believe this about churches. Some church services are celebrations. Some church services are funerals. And we're going to put some stuff to death today. Amen, everybody? I believe that. We're going to put some stuff to death. So would you stand for the reading of God's word? It is my custom because we don't just approach the word of God with just any kind of a convenient mindset. No, we believe that this is the word of God that can change our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, the Bible says it like this. You've all been to the stadium and you've seen athletes race. Everyone runs, but one wins. And I love this. Everybody repeat this out loud. One, two, three. Run to win. Come on, we run to win. We don't run to lose. We don't run to run. We run to, we run to win. I feel a spirit of T-Pain on me right now. Come on. All I do is win, win. Nobody knows that song? You guys just listen to worship music all day? I guess I'm the only heathen in this church. All right, whatever. All good athletes, only, only ratchet people were over there, though. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. But you're after gold eternally. What does that mean? You don't need the applause of man because we serve an audience of one. It's ultimately you don't need the accolades or the approval of what humanity thinks. What does God think about it? You want to hear a good and well done faithful servant. Come on, is there anybody in the room that wants to hear that from their Lord and Savior? That's what we do it for. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. Next verse. I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving everything I got. Come on, no lazy living for me. I'm staying alert, and I love this phrase, and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone, about, everyone else all about it, and then missing it out myself. I love what one version says, is I beat my body and I make it my slave, so that after I have preached the good news to the poor, I myself might not be disqualified. So in his, uh, in his book, Jim Collins highlights in good to great, he calls this phrase a B-H-A-G, a B-H-A-G, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Now, I don't know why the hairy is in it, to be honest. It's kind of gross to me. So I'm, I'm pulling the H for my sermon, and I'm just calling it a big, audacious goal, okay? So today I want to preach from this subject, secure the bag, secure the bag. I'm believing that this is going to be a year that you're going to secure some of your goals, some of your dreams, and we're going to accomplish some purpose. But in order to reach a goal, in order to dominate this year, the first thing you need to dominate is you. Is if you're going to dominate 2024, you need to dominate your flesh. And that's what we're going to be talking about. I want to marry this verse with one other verse really quick, and I'll let you sit. In 3 John, 3 John 1, verse 2, it says this. 
Beloved, by the way, this is a great scripture for you, for, your, for a prayer for your kids, for your children. I'd encourage you to make sure you write this down, highlight it, take a picture of it. I love this text. It's a framework for prayer. Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper. And you may be in good health physically, just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. Break down that verse for a second. Beloved. So the, the author is writing to these, to these people, and he's saying, beloved. Which, what, what does that mean? It means he's rich in relationships. It means he has people that intimately know him and he intimately loves. Come on, at our church, we don't want you to just come to church. We want you to have rich relationships. We want you to be in family here. Then he says, I want you to prosper in every way. What does that mean? Personally, physically, spiritually, professionally, relationally. I want you to be blessed and prosperous in every single way. I want you to have good health. What's that? Longevity. Come on, I'm speaking uh, to the spirit of sickness and infirmity to your families. We break that curse in Jesus' name. We believe that you're going to have good health and long life. How many received that today? Good health and long life in Jesus' name. But not only that, the most important part, he says, and I pray that you would prosper as your soul prospers. So here's what I know, is that the quality of your life is determined by the condition of your soul. And so what good is it to have all those things, yet your soul is not prospering? So I'm praying that your soul would prosper. So three things I want to preach today. We need to develop a mastery over the flesh, mastery. We need to have longevity. How are we going to have longevity? I want to talk about that. And lastly, it's prosperity. Why? You need to be blessed so that you can bless others. Come on. Poverty is not the will of God for your life. You're going to have an abundance of resources and relationships so that you can go be a blessing to other people in Jesus' name. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for the time we have together. I pray that you would meet us here. We ask that heaven come down to earth and invade this space. So, Spirit of God, we welcome you. We invite you into this room. We ask that you would do what you do. Throw your weight around. Throw your glory around. Take over this service. Speak to me and through me. I pray that you would put me on like a glove today, Father. Help us to see Jesus, hear from heaven, and to encounter the power of God. We love you, Lord. It's your precious son's name that we pray. And everybody said? No, no, no. I said everybody said? Amen and amen. Come on, high five. 17 people around you say it's going to be a good day. 17, nothing more, nothing less. You guys can be seated. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, brother. <laughs> uh, family, we had an awesome uh, day just a couple weeks ago on uh, January 10th. My wife and son uh, were having an awesome conversation in the ride to Metro West Christian Academy. Shout out to MCA. Uh, so Zion comes up, Zion's my, just about to turn six years old, Zion's my six-year-old, and he goes up to Natalia as they're driving, he goes, Mommy, what's heaven like? I love the innocence of a child. He goes, Mommy, what's heaven like? And she begins to describe what she believes heaven looks like based on the scriptures, and he goes, and he asks a secondary question, he goes, um, am, am I ever going to go to hell, Mom? And so, uh, Nat, my wife, ended up saying to Zion, she goes, well, no, sweetie, but the way you go to heaven is through a relationship with Jesus. And so you have to confess him as your Lord and Savior. And he goes, oh, that's great. And so Nat goes, well, have you ever accepted him as your Lord and Savior? And he goes, uh, I don't know. So long story short, my wife got to lead our son Zion to Christ, really in the car, driving to MCA. It was awesome. So on January 10th, Zion became a follower of Jesus. Come on, somebody. 
So we were so proud. It was an awesome moment. So Nat's telling me this story, and she's, she's talking to me about it, and I'm crying. I'm just listening to this audio message, and it was an amazing moment. So, so Zion's, Zion's my angel boy. He's, he's incredible. Uh, Ezra's also an angel, but he's a fallen angel, and we're praying for his salvation, okay? We're praying for his salvation. The other day, he gets up, 7 o'clock in the morning, he gets up, goes to the fridge, pulls his chair out, goes to the top drawer of the fridge, grabs this white chocolate, and he crushes an entire bar of white chocolate, 7 in the morning. We walk outside. We see the chocolate wrappers all over the, the floor, and we go, Ezzy, what's going on? Did you eat all the chocolate? And we've talked to him about this before. Did you eat all the chocolate? And the only thing he said was this. He goes, <laughs> I said, I said, come out in Jesus' name. We rebuke that. So we're praying for Ezzy's salvation. Anyways, um, so I, I follow up with Zion later that night, right? And I'm, and I'm having a conversation with Z, and I'm basically saying, hey, Z, you, you know what you did today. Like, you know the decision you made, Do you know, and you understand the implications of that. He goes, well, explain it to me, Daddy. So I begin to tell him two different things. I basically said, okay, well, now you just fulfilled your calling. What's your calling? Your calling is to know God. I said, but now our responsibility is to fulfill our purpose, and our purpose is to make God known. So our calling is to know God intimately. Our purpose is to make God known. And all of us have different gifts, skills, and spiritual gifts that we express that in different ways. So you might be a trainer. You might be a teacher. You might be a student. You might be a pastor. You might be an entrepreneur. But all of us have the same purpose, universal purpose, which is to make God known through what God has us doing. Am I making sense, everybody? And I'm going from that conversation with my son into this presentation with us is all of us have a calling, which is to know God, and a purpose, which is to make God known, but we all do it in different expressions. But we need to understand something is we have limited time to do that here on earth. And so in his book, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, he highlights that that scripture refers to really three primary metaphors about life. The first would be this, if you're taking notes. Life is a test. It's a test. It's even right now, you are being evaluated. The Lord is watching how you're living, how you're talking, the things you said, the things you didn't say, the things you're doing, the things you're not doing. He is carefully weighing every word. So life is a test. And do you understand what happens after a test? First of all, you either pass or fail, and you graduate. And what do you graduate to get? Another test. Life is a test. I wrote this in my notes. But life in God tests us. He, he tests our faith through problems. He tests our hope through possessions. And he tests our love through people. That's better than you responding. God tests my faith through problems, my hope through possessions, and my love through people. James 1.12 says it like this. You don't have it in your notes, and I don't believe it's on the screen. James 1.12. Blessed are those who endure when they are tested. Somebody say test. When they pass the test, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. What is the crown of life? The crown of life is not a uh, symbolic adornment kind of uh, crown. It really means that God approves and sees what you're doing, and he is proud of you, and he gives you his favor. That's the crown of life. So life is a test. Somebody say life is a test. Life number two is a trust. Life is a trust. Is that ultimately you are being evaluated, but at the end of your life... God will ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? So you either give an account to God and you'll give two different, there will be two different responses. You will either have rewards or you will have regrets. Because all of us will give an account for our lives with what God gave us. The first is what did you do with my son? 
The second is, what did you do with my gifts? Because understand something, they are God's gifts, not your gifts. But he gave you those gifts to make him known. Am I making sense, everybody? Life is a trust. I was listening to this podcast recently. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. He basically talks about the concept of stewardship. Now, stewardship, he says, and defines as the responsible care for something of value. And he says, ultimately, the problem is when people don't steward something well, the really, the deep down thing, the conscious or unconscious thing is if you don't steward something well, it's because you don't value it. Can I step on some toes for a second today? Is when it comes to our relationships, our marriages, our own personal bodies, if you're not stewarding it, what that really means is you don't value it. And so I want to challenge some people is you need to see yourself properly. And this is why I believe the devil has so many believers in bondage because you need to learn how to value you. How many people look in the mirror and what they see, they don't see that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. They see the brokenness. They see the blemishes. They see the issues. They see the toxicity. I'm just telling you, God wants to change how you view you this year. And if you are going to dominate this year... You need to properly see yourself. The devil has believers in bondage this way because life is a trust. Life is a trust. We have to be trusted with what God gives us. And if you, tr- if you are stewarding well the things that God gave you, you will be trusted with more, the scriptures say. Life is a test. Life is a trust. Life is a temporary assignment. It's a temporary assignment. What does this mean? It means that you're here today, gone tomorrow. It means that life is like a mist or a vapor. Ephesians says, make the most out of every opportunity for the days are evil. You have a temporary time period here on earth. And so what are we supposed to do with the time that we have here on earth? Well, first of all, you have to understand that the work you have is great. God gave you a purpose. And he gave you that purpose to solve a problem. I'm going to repeat this until people can memorize it. God God gives you a purpose and he gives you that person a purpose. That person's purpose is to solve a problem. And that person's purpose is to solve the problem that he sees on the planet. So before you were a person, you were a purpose. So God sees a problem, and he raises a person up, and he gives you your personality to solve the problems. And a person that doesn't know their purpose doesn't solve problems. They cause problems. Salt Bay, Pour some salt on that right now. You have to understand something, that you have a purpose on this planet. But the work is great that God has given you, but your time is short. So what are we supposed to do with the time that we have? We're supposed to do what Jesus did. What was Jesus' purpose? Well, he had three primary purposes. He came down to earth, the incarnation. Heaven, or divinity became humanity to do three primary things. Number one was to seek and save the lost. Come on, how many know that really church services, you might not like all the things that go on here. You wish church was a lot longer. You might wish church was a lot shorter. You don't like this song. You don't like this sermon. You don't like this preaching. It's not always about you. Because we're here to seek and to save the lost. Because the world needs a savior, and his name is Jesus, and it's not you. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, but he also came to announce and to advance God's kingdom. Scripture says that he is about his father's business. But not only that, because this is where I think most believers end. You have to understand something that Jesus also came in 3 John. He also came to destroy the works of the devil. Which means that Christians shouldn't be on the defensive, they're actually on the offensive. And this is my assignment today, is to break the vices, the mindsets, and maybe even some of the habits that some of you guys have, because the devil has believers in bondage. And what is one way he does that? He does that by sabotaging your health. 
He does it by sabotaging your health. Now, we're going to talk about health really holistically today, but there is going to be a major emphasis on your physical health because here's what I think the devil does, is he has Christians and believers underemphasizing or neglecting their health, and so all of us have an appointed time with death. Okay, so you're appointing time with death. The average person nowadays, I don't know, 80, maybe 85 years old. A lot of people think it's being extended. I don't know if I want to live to 100 years old in this day and age. Anybody else? <laughs> take me out. Take me to Jesus. Come on. Nobody else wants that. Okay, great. Um, I don't know. I just want to go to heaven. I don't know about you, but I have work here to do on earth, and I want to make sure I get my work done here on earth. That being said, all of us have an appointed time with death. But we have an appointed time with death. And if you don't take care of your health, listen to me, everybody. The appointed time is when I'm supposed to go. I don't want to go earlier because I was negligent about my health. And many people are. And in your wisest years, I want you to hear this from the bottom of my heart. For in your wisest years, when we need you the most, that's typically when people die off. You need to hear this, young people. This is for you. It's not just for the older generation. This is for the younger generation. Take care of yourself so that you can take care of other people. So there are three primary areas we need to invest in this year. And I'm asking you to do this in chronological order. First and foremost, spiritually. Matter of fact, I need to say something before I go into that. Um, I want you to understand something about mastering your flesh. We have to master our flesh before we move on to uh, uh, the longevity piece. Um, scripture says it like this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 12. It says, everything is permissible, not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. That's an awesome verse, but it's hard to live out. Yeah? yeah? I will not be mastered by anything. Another verse says it in Thessalonians. You guys didn't get this in this service, right? You guys haven't gotten this in this service yet. Okay, just making sure. Thessalonians says it like this. This is my third service, so I don't know which, what I said or what I didn't say so far. Thessalonians says it like this. Learn to appreciate and give dignity to your body, not abusing it. Watch what he says. This is specific. As, so, as is so common among those who know nothing of God. So he says, for the lost people who do not know anything about God, they give in to their feelings, but we're not led by our feelings. We're led by our faith. Because we don't live by sight. We live by faith. But if you're not, write this down in your notes for some of my note takers. If you are not spiritually fed, you will be emotionally led. And many of us prioritize our feelings over our faith because we are spiritually anorexic. Is you need to feed your faith so that your faith is making the decisions, not your feelings. Now, I need you to understand something about two concepts, two biblical concepts that many of us uh, need to understand fully and embrace. First of all, I want to highlight the word iniquity, which you'll see in the Old and New Testament, but also the word debauchery. Anybody ever heard these two before? So iniquity, thank you. Uh, and thank you, man. I appreciate you very much. Uh, iniquity means this. Iniquity is a crookedness, a bent, or a leaning towards a specific thing. Okay, so all of us have iniquities or sin preferences towards a specific thing. Now, this is why you shouldn't judge your neighbor to your left or to your right. This is why you shouldn't judge your friends or your family, just because your sin preferences are different than theirs. I'm going to let that sit for a second. You can't judge your neighbor to your left or to your right just because you have a preference with lust and you have a preference with pride. Or just because your preferences might be more laziness and your preferences might be more neglect. Your preferences might be workaholic and their preferences might be an alcoholic. You got to be careful not to judge other people just because they sin differently than you do. I'm preaching real good right now. Be careful. Be careful. That is what the Bible calls iniquity. 
That's what the Bible calls iniquity. But scripture also refers to what they call is transgressions. Now, transgressions is essentially an outer movement. It means that I have made a conscious decision to sin against God or my own body. But iniquity is more internal. Uh, uh, transgressions are more external. But scripture also says this term debauchery. Anybody ever heard of debauchery before? Debauchery in scripture is when you fully give and indulge into all of your senses. Meaning, debauchery is not when you have mastered your flesh, it's when your flesh has mastered you. You gotta be cautious and you gotta be careful. And I wanna challenge you this year not to have your flesh master you because all of us are triune beings. What does that mean? We are spirit, soul, and body. We are triparts. So we, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and it lives in a body. But all three of these things are at war with each other constantly. You are in a civil war as we speak. You're in a civil war. And all three of those parts of you want to be on the throne of your life. And so what I want to tell you is this. This is why we fast. We fast to say my flesh, my body, and my mind will not be at the forefront of my life. My spirit man will be. That is why we stop eating certain things because we're not just, and here's what I think people get wrong about fasting. Can you guys handle some teaching today? Here's what I think people get wrong about fasting is you hear in conversation when people fast of what, they, what they're fasting from instead of what they're fasting for. And I think this is dangerous because we are all about, um, we're all about uh, becoming weaker, but the reality is fasting should make you stronger, not weaker. So that's what fasting does, is putting your spirit on the top of the throne of your life. And so the only thing we will be mastered by will not be our flesh. Come on, it's going to be Jesus and Jesus alone. But you cannot do that by yourself. You need God's grace and his spirit empowering you to be able to do that. That's why we put the spirit on the throne of our lives. Make sense, everybody? So we have all three of these parts of our lives, our body, soul, and spirit, that are at war with each other. And whichever one you feed and whichever one you starve is the one that wins. So you got to make sure you feed your spirit, but you starve your flesh. And if you're going to dominate this year, you need to dominate your flesh. So three areas you need to invest in this year. Can you guys handle a little bit more? I might go over by five minutes. Is that okay? Thank you so much. For those that said no, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. (laughs) Kidding. But seriously, you're dismissed. Um, three, Three areas I want you to invest in this year. Number one, you need to invest spiritually. Your spiritual life cannot be neglected. I, I teach people this as I coach them all the time. Is, is your spiritual life is not the only important part of your life. It is by far the most important part of your life. And some of us need to make a freaking decision. Let me rewind. Some of us need to lovingly make a decision. <laughs> I hear Derek Fry on this shoulder and Stacy Fry on this shoulder. Do you know which one the freaking was? That's Stacy. Uh, you can't spake me anymore because I'm a grown man now (laughs) she probably still will spank me anyways um, (laughs) no I I have the best relationship with my mom she's my best friend Uh, she's the best did I redeem it okay good 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 good. (laughs) Uh, what was I talking about yeah focus seriously so spiritually Spiritual maturity. we got to make a decision about our spiritual maturity. Uh, this is what Scripture says, 1 Timothy chapter um, 4, I believe it is. Exercise yourself into godliness. But many people are spiritually anorexic and they're spiritually weak. And spiritual or shallow spirituality will never sustain you during dark seasons. Did you hear what I just said? 
Shallow spirituality will never sustain you during dark seasons. But you know the time where people show up to church the most? It's in dark seasons. And then what happens? When we go through, this is such a typical cycle with humanity, where we go through dark seasons, we get closer to God, and then God blesses us. And what happens? When God blesses us, we shy away from God. And then what happens? We get farther and farther away from God. And then what happens? A dark season comes, and then we get close to God again. Because anybody recognize that in themselves? So spiritual maturity is when you, are, when you recognize that I'm in a good and prosperous season, and that is not because of my strength. That's because of God's goodness. I wonder if I have any thankful people for God's blessing in their life today. That is spiritual maturity. Now, can I say something, can I say something strong to you for a second? Okay, thanks, Mom. I'll say something strong to you no matter what. Um, many of us are praying for God to open doors for us. But I don't think God's going to open some doors for you until some cycles stop. Let me, let me give you an illustration. My wife came up to me the other day, and she goes, uh, I have some bad news for you. And I was like, that's a great way to start off a conversation. So she goes, I have bad news for you. Um, because of all the laundry I have to do, you're doing your own laundry from now on. And I, a tear fell from my eye. Um, I, was, I was upset. I was upset. But So I started doing my own laundry now. And so last Saturday, right, I put in my laundry in the washing machine. I realized I left a couple pieces upstairs, so I go back down into the laundry. I try to open the door. The door was locked because there was a cycle going on. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God gave me a lesson in that moment is some doors never open until cycles stop. Some of you guys are asking God to open a door for you, and he is saying, I can't give you this blessing because you couldn't handle it. That's why we need to prioritize our spiritual lives. No more shallow faith, because shallow faith will not sustain you in dark seasons. That's your spiritual maturity. Number two is you need to prioritize your emotional wealth, your emotional health, I mean, your emotional health. I'm going to just to be totally transparent and totally vulnerable for a second. Um, I believe this. I said it before, but the quality of your life is determined by the condition of your heart. A mentor of mine said this to me. He goes, as a person that is in a position of influence to be able to speak and influence people's lives, I'm so humbled by it. I'm so grateful for it. But what he told me is, he goes, your emotional health will determine whether or not you use the platform or the platform will use you. And many of us are in positions of influence, positions of power, but you don't even know when you're self-sabotaging. Because why? We suppress things instead of express those things. Am I talking to anybody in here? Come on, TC, Framingham Online. I'm talking to you too. We have to understand something is that, I heard this recently, um, uh, buried feelings, buried feelings will never die. Unresolved buried feelings will never die. They're just buried, but they will come up to the surface, which is why you need to address some of the traumas, yeah. some of the issues. At this church, we don't just believe you can pray everything away. I tell people this all the time when they come to the altar. They ask, can you pray for me, Pastor? I'm like, yes, of course I'll pray for you. Of course I'll lay hands on you. But there's some freaking decisions you need to make. Yes, God can deliver you in a moment, but God sets you free, but it's your habits that keep you free. So we have to prioritize our emotional health. And many of us, listen to me, just trying to be a good pastor. Many of us are emotionally bleeding on some of the relationships and some of the loved ones that we love so dearly. Why? Because you have some stuff internally that's just coming out externally. I'm not ashamed to say this in any way, shape, or form. I started uh, see, seeking a counselor and a therapist. I'm three sessions in right now. I believe therapy is not for people that are crazy, but for people that refuse to go crazy. 
And I think most people go to a counselor or a therapist when it's being reactive instead of preventative. So you should go to people before problems really start to occur instead of when problems are occurring. So I believe this with my whole heart. So my, my, my therapist was telling me this. I'm, I'm three sessions in. I'm, I'm having a conversation with her. And she goes, uh, Devin, just so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more analytical, more intellectual than emotional. And so I'm like trying to get questions. I'm trying to get answers to some of my questions, right? And she goes, uh, let, me just, let me just stop you right there, Dev. And she goes, um, I'm not going to be here to answer all of your questions. What I am and my responsibility is supposed to be is I'm supposed to increase your self-worth and your dignity so that you can walk into the presence of God and the presence of people without shame. That's my responsibility. And I was like, that blew my mind. I was like, that's, that's fire. I appreciate that very much. And she goes, watch this. She goes, she goes, what happens in the conversation isn't going to change your life. What you do with the conversation will. So many of us, we need to process some of the past. Why? Because I believe this with my whole heart. Is the greatest gift I can give you is a healthy me. I believe with your family, with your business, with your leadership and your influence, the greatest gift you can give those you love is a healthy you. But for some of the men in the room, y'all suppress your emotions a lot. I do it too. But you know what? Your family's feeling it. And we need to address some of the stuff. I'm not saying women don't struggle with it. I'm just saying typically, more so, generally speaking, people, uh, women are a lot more processors and men are more suppressors. We need to process some of the stuff and get healthy. I don't want a big church. I want a healthy church. We have to prioritize our spiritual health. We have to prioritize our emotional health. We have to prioritize our physical health. Because I believe this, is that if you don't take care of you, nobody will trust you to take care of them. I know that's hard to hear for some, but you have to take care of you if people will trust you to take care of them. Now, I'm not saying to go crazy. I'm not saying you have to be, you know, Thor. I'm not saying that. I'm saying don't compare yourself to everybody else. Compare yourself to what God has called you to, his standard for your life. But you have to take care of yourself. And that's not being selfish. That's being a good steward, by the way. That's being a good steward. The question we have to ask, and team can come up here. The question we have to ask is not should I take care of myself, because all of us know, of course, I have to. But many of us might think, oh, I'm too busy to take care of my health. You're too busy not to. I'm so busy, I, I can't really, I can't go work out, I can't go for a walk, I can't walk on the treadmill, I, I just got too much stuff going on. Moms, let me tell you some of that. I was having a conversation with my wife, and she got this revelation, and I, I, I'm so proud of my wife. She, she's too busy not to, because we need you in the long haul for this. We need you to take care of your family in the long haul. We need you to take care of those you love. We need you to disciple people, because most people are dying off in their wisest years. We need you in this fight. We need you in this spiritual battle that we are facing. Am I making sense, everybody? Yeah. So I want to I give you three things really quick. It's not should I take care of myself. It's why. What is my motive for taking care of myself? Because most people, if we're honest, it's about vanity. It's I want to look good. I want to look good naked, right? That's how most people, and that's why most people, if we're honest, we work out at the gym. We're laughing, but it's true. That's why most people want to do it. It's because I want to look good, and I want other people to know that I look good. That's why we post selfies. That's why we post gym photos. That's why we post all that stuff. It's vanity. And ultimately, I'm going to just go there because I'm not, I'm just going to go there. Ultimately, it's because you struggle with the fear of man. It's because I want people to like me and think that I look good. There's a greater level than that. It's not, you shouldn't take care of yourself for vanity. 
I would say there's a second level, which is sanity, is I want a peace of mind. And I think that's good, and I think that's okay. But I want you to see there's a greater level that it's a spiritual responsibility of yours to take care of your physical health, and it's for eternity, is that you have a purpose on this planet, and we need you to fulfill that purpose by taking care of yourself. Am I making sense to anybody in here? I don't know if this is just hard to hear some of this stuff, but I'm just telling you. I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter how, how good you look. You don't have to be the sexiest human who ever lived. You don't need to be on the magazine of Cosmopolitan. That's all fake anyways. We all know it. Instagram's a lie. We know that. But listen, we need you to take care of yourself because we need you in this family. We need you here for the long haul. God has given you a purpose and you got to accomplish this purpose. And if you're going to accomplish your purpose and if you're going to reach your goals, you're going to secure your big, audacious goals. We need you healthy spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Can I give you the, the strategy that I implemented three years ago that has transformed my life? Can you guys handle some of this? Okay, so, so three major things I need you to invest in this year. Number one would be this. Content is content. Is you need to feed your mind. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. And I think, to be honest, I don't think the church suffers from false teaching as much as it suffers from weak teaching. What I mean by that is this, is that many people get such a lack of consumption of the word of God and you wonder why you're spiritually anorexic and you're living by emotions and by feelings. You need to have the word of God in, in, in a large quantity. I don't know how much you're reading your Bible, but I'm challenging you as a pastor, double it right now. Double it. You need the word. I, I, I don't know. I don't really have time. You got to wake up earlier. You got to go to bed earlier. You got to take care of yourself. Take care of your spirit this year. Take care of your spirit. Uh, and I need you to understand something is that God's preferred method of training is not experience. It's instruction. If many of us listened to the word of God the first time, we wouldn't have to come back to him later with all this baggage. Right? Content. Two, community. Community. I'm going to preach this to him blue in the face. Can't become your best self by yourself. So... God's preference, he has literally built in and baked into your spirit, body, and mind that you need people. You feel fulfilled by relationships and by people. You cannot do this thing by yourself. We have small groups coming up. You need to get into a small group. Our church says it like this, and you won't hear many churches say this, but you need to be in a small group, and we would prefer you to be in a group than even in church on Sundays. But a lot of us, to be honest, and I was this way too, so I'm not judging anybody, we come into church, and we actually prefer to just get the word and then leave. Because, ah, I don't know, I don't really want to be around big crowds. I don't really want to talk. I don't want people knowing my stuff. Well, people already can see your stuff, so you might as well just share about it. Why? Because we got some stuff going on, and nobody's perfect in here. Come on, look at your neighbor to your left or right and be like, they jacked up. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, all you guys are going to be like, oh, I get why he's seeing a therapist now. Yep, you do. <laughs> Content, community, last one, coaching coaching is you need to invest in yourself and one of the best investments you can make is the investment you make in yourself and coaches help you go further faster you need mentors in your life you need leaders i don't care what age you are even if you're in the older generation we love you we need your wisdom but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a mentor yourself so we have cla coming up connect leadership academy come on shout out to cla I want you to know this, and I'm so proud of our church. We already have 110 signups at CLA so far. There is still opportunity and room for many of you guys, but you have to apply in it, and we don't say yes to every single person. Why? Because this is for the serious, not for the curious. 
If you want to commit to growing in your faith, to growing emotionally, to getting better physically, CLA would be for you. Tuesday nights, 7 to 9 p.m. Whoa, that doesn't work with my schedule. Change your schedule. Change your schedule. Take care of your spirit. Take care of your faith and invest in yourself. We also give you free dinner, everybody. Some people are like, I'm signed up now. Come on. Come on. But here would be the last thing is consistency. Is you need consistency. Keep consistently doing those three things. Investing in content, community, and coaching. It'll transform your life. I did this in a coaching session recently of mine, but I want you guys to throw up that, that text I wrote out. Um, I used this uh, for some people I was just kind of mentoring, coaching, and a lot of people took this screenshot, and I would encourage you to do so. They, some people put on their screensaver on their phone, but here's what I want you to say. Throw, throw it up there, guys. <clears throat> I, want, I want all of us to be able to say this. This last line we're going to say together. I, Devin Fry, commit to invest in my health and my growth. Don't say it yet. I'll, I'll say it in a second. I, Devin Fry, commit to invest in my health and my growth and will do what is necessary to ensure that last year will be the last time that I settle for anything less than God's best. Come on, is there anybody that agrees with that, believes in that? Come on, last year will be the last time that I settle for anything less than God's best. Last year was the last year. In 2024, I will not endure this year. I will dominate it. I will dominate it. Come on, God says, I want you to go into the earth, fill the earth and subdue it, take dominion over it. Come on, 2024, we're not going to endure it. We're going to dominate. I want you to say that out loud with me. One, two, three. I will not endure this year. I will dominate this year. Come on, one more time. I will not endure this year. I will dominate this year. That's going to be our, our process and our goals this year. We're going to dominate this year. But first and foremost, most importantly, I need you to understand, you can't do this without the fifth thing, is Christ. Is you need to put Christ at the forefront of your life. And don't just make him your savior. That now you have fire insurance and the blood of Jesus forgives your sins. Come on, that's good and well. And praise God and thank God for that. You need to make him your Lord this year. Where he is the leader of your life. Where he's not in the passenger seat. He's not sharing the driving wheel with you. He owns the wheel. He makes the decisions. And ultimately, I believe that God's plans for my life are better than my plans for my life. Anybody else believe that today? Bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for you. And I'm going to believe that, that God's going to speak to all of you in this moment. But I want you to repeat this prayer after me. We're going to pray the sinner's prayer together. And for some of you guys that have never done it, so the first time you've done, the first time you've done this, I want you to boldly shoot your hand up and say, that's me. I need to say yes to Jesus. So everybody repeat this prayer. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. Because I know that I'm a sinner and I'm needing, I'm needing a Savior. And I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. So thank you for forgiving me, for dying for me, for living for me. So from this day forward, I offer myself as a living sacrifice in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, eye closed still. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ, if that was you, would you shoot your hand up and say, I prayed that prayer today and I believe that in my heart. We're so proud of you. Hands all over the place. We're so proud of you. So, so proud of you. One more prayer I want to pray. If everyone would stand to their feet. And I want you to keep your eyes closed and your hands lifted to heaven. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you, just like I prayed in that very beginning. Come on, stand to your feet. Hands up to heaven. We're going to worship and we're going to close this thing out. But Father, I pray for my beloved church family 
that they would first and foremost be rich in relationships. Come on, I want you to believe that you're going to receive this by the Spirit in faith. I pray they'd be rich in relationships. No more shallow relationships in Jesus' name. I feel the Spirit of God in this room. No more shallow relationships in Jesus' name. I come against mindsets. I come against fears. I come against social anxiety. I feel that in my bones right there. I come against social anxiety in Jesus' name. Some people say, oh, I'm an introvert. I don't care if you're an introvert. That still means you, have, you need relationships. And so, Father, I pray that you would send them the greatest blessing in Jesus first and foremost. But really, I believe that when you really want to bless somebody, you'll send them somebody. And so I pray rich relationships, David and Jonathan type relationships over them in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that they would prosper and be blessed in every way, every way. That, Father, their business would prosper, that their family would prosper, that they would be in good health, they would have good health and long life. I come against the assignment of the devil in Jesus' name. That spirit of sickness and infirmity will no longer touch you or your family. So for bad news that, that you just got this past week, we declare good reports in Jesus' name. What is wrong in their body, make it right, right now, Father. We declare Jehovah Rapha would come down, that God, my healer, would heal your body from head to toe, Lord. I plead the blood of Jesus over minds, that their mind belongs to Christ. It will not be a, a den of thieves. It will not be a place where the devil's lives will, will, devil's lives will overwhelm you. So I declare the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to be upon you in Jesus' name. I pray that they would be blessed and be in good health. And I pray that they would prosper as their soul prospers in Jesus' mighty name. And come on, everybody said.